everyone. My name is Kat Savage and I'm a professional artist, clinical hypnotherapist and well-being expert working with those in the creative arts sector. In my line of work, I get to meet some amazing, colourful people from actors to artists, people who live their lives by their own rules, fueled by passion and determination to bring their unique talents into the world. I wanted to discover what it took for people to leave the usual nine to five and hop on a dream, to capture their bravest moments and share these meaningful conversations with you so that together we can explore the ideas, emotions and moments that could potentially change our lives too. So let's keep talking, have some fun and enjoy the show. This week on the show, we speak to Emma Bass, aka the Paper Otter, to discuss her journey into the intricate and painstaking art of paper cutting. With a degree in zoology, Emma began her career researching and identifying insects. But when she moved to Cornwall, there was another passion burning inside, a passion to replicate the beauty she saw in the animals and insects that she studied. And so she took her curiosity and literally gave it wings, turning it into beautiful and vibrant art for all to enjoy. Today, Emma creates all sorts of wondrous pieces, from stunning dragonflies to paper versions of David Attenborough. It is my great pleasure to introduce you to Emma and the fascinating world she creates through the paper otter. from the paper otter welcome to the brave moment how are you oh thanks cat i'm great thank you and you yay i'm good i'm good it's i've been good. waiting for this day to come me too. i'm so excited yeah, me too. so um like i mentioned you're from the paper otter yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about what what the paper otter is what it is that you do okay so i am a paper cut artist um i'm based in cornwall and I make paper cut art of just about anything you can think of, to be honest. Um, wildlife, kids' favourites, house plants, dragons, flowers. <laughs> uh, I mean, literally anything you can think of. Cars, sports logos. I've done I've done a lot of different commissions, um, and the list is just getting longer. So, so yeah, I make paper cut art. I sell it um, in an online shop. Um, an Etsy shop and I also just take private commissions all the time so that's me that's really really cool yeah. I, I have to say you are our first paper cut artist oh, on the show so that's really awesome um, okay so talking uh, about where all of this began all the rest of it I'd like to take you right back into your childhood oh, here we okay. go yeah, we're now in back in your childhood um, how would you describe yourself as a child and did you have a favourite toy I was a really active kind of outdoors type of kid, um, really adventurous, liked to go outside on my bike, liked to climb trees, <laughs> loved to play tennis in the street. We were quite lucky to live on a um, cul-de-sac, um, quite nice. a quiet little road. So me and my friends used to play tennis on the street. I remember kicking a football up and down, just running around. There was a big green opposite our house. So we used to get conkers down in the autumn. Um, <laughs> just loads of that, really. I was just outdoors all the time, really active. Yeah, just love to hang out with my friends, really. That's really, really lovely. I mean, so many kids today, I do worry that they don't get that hangout time that we oh, all definitely. used to have uh, in our generation. Yeah, it was, um, it was really, 
really, really different, I think, back then, back in the 80s. Um, <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> back in the day. Um, yeah, I guess my favourite toy was just probably my bike or my skateboard or something like that. I was just always... Oh, you were always, a cool kid. I, well, yeah, I was... I tried. I tried. <laughs> Do you know what? Talking of skateboards, randomly, I gave my skateboard to my guitarist literally about three days ago. Hadn't ridden it for like 20 years. Yeah. And uh, and he's uh, he's in his 20s, bless him. And uh, and so it got rehomed to him to fulfill its its skateboarding oh, destiny because I rode it for about story. two weeks and I was like, uh, no. Can you still ride it? No, I, I I thought being a snowboarder that I'd be able oh, okay. to to transfer my skill set, uh-huh. but I think it only works if you start skateboarding and then transfer to snowboarding because it's not the same <laughs> at all. Um, so I, I tried that. to be cool for a couple of weeks and quickly uh, <laughs> <laughs> <epically> fails. <laughs> so talking about your home, what yeah. smell reminds you of home and why? Oh, smell. Um, well, probably linked to food. I'm a bit I'm a bit obsessed with food. Um, Probably like roast dinners. Nice. The smell of like roast chicken or, or roast, uh, the Christmas dinner. Just, oh, I just Christmas love dinner. Oh, Christmas dinner <laughs> is my favourite thing. Yeah. Um, do you eat it for like a month afterwards though, like we do? Yeah, we, 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 we my mum used to make turkey curry, jacket <laughs> potatoes and turkey, etc. Yeah, roast dinners are, are a strong theme of my childhood. So I would probably say... I would probably say those. Um, also, like really musty sheds and musty garages. <laughs> Not a great combination, but yeah, I was, musty sheds. My, my dad is a, a really keen gardener, and my mum actually, and they were always in and out of the shed, and I was always sticking my head in there and seeing what they were doing, and you know, seeing what was in there. So yeah, any any time I, I smell a shed, I just think of home. Bizarrely. Oh. Yeah. No, I love that That's though. Cute. I do. I love it. I love it. I'm the same with with coffee because um, okay. my mum, uh, my mum's family are from Belgium, and they basically I would just like walk in every weekend to my gran and granddad's house, who were also avid gardeners. Yeah. Um, but they'd always have coffee on like 24 seven. So my my childhood is 24 seven coffee smell okay. and a little bit of an A and A perfume from my mum. Oh, oh, not classy. <laughs> <laughs> She's migrated now onto oh, better things, but oh, an ANA okay. was her uh, smell of That's choice. a benchmark. Okay. That is. Uh, um, so, what was your fondest memory as a kid? It sounds like you've had so many already that you've uh, mentioned, but what, what really uh, springs to mind? Uh, probably our, our holidays in Devon. So, my mum's mum, uh, we used to call her Nama. Um, apparently, I couldn't say grandma when I was little, so it just came out as Nama. But it just stuck. So, yeah, so we used to go see Nama in Devon um, almost every summer. And she had a tiny little bungalow. Uh, it was just her in it. And I just remember my sister and I just being fascinated by what was in her house. Like all her, she'd kept all the toys that, you know, my mum had had from the 50s. And there was loads of just random just stuff everywhere. There was these strange like rocks on the mantelpiece and strange pictures <laughs> It was just a real kind of Aladdin's cave. So being there is a fun memory and kind of being on the beach, you know, when we were down there, just playing in the waves. Good, wholesome family fun, really. <laughs> it sounds like we've grown up in the same household. Oh, really? my, my nan um, was pretty much the same. She always had like cabinets yeah, full of things. Stuff. You know, like we don't have cabinets anymore, it seems, but she used to have <laughs> cabinets of stuff, my, like china mom, dolls and yeah, stuff. Yeah, my mum still has cabinets of stuff. 
Lots of plates and cups and things. <laughs> I love it. Ours yeah. just gets dusty on the side, but there you go. They they knew how to uh, to keep their stuff clean, they didn't did. they, back in the day? And free from kids, yeah. <laughs> so where did your love of all things insect begin? Because oh. previously to your artwork, you were an insect scientist. So tell us a little bit about that. Where did it begin and how did you end up uh, where you where you ended up? I, I wouldn't be so bold as to call myself an insect scientist. <laughs> I never quite, I never I never did a PhD. I never got to the to the kind of level of being a scientist. I was a research assistant. Um, but yeah, I worked I worked with insects for oh gosh I don't know six years something like that wow. after university. But my kind of first experience with insects that, that sounds very strange. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I was at university in my third year, we had to do a, a like a research project and I I knew um, someone who studied the migration of insects and he needed someone to come and help him over the summer collect like lots of samples Mm. and it was just up the road from where I lived with my mum and dad so I signed up for that and it was great it was um, like a kind of month in this porter cabin and looking at the samples that we collected from a big balloon quite high up in the sky so all the insects that were, were migrating across we we trapped and and had a look and he was trying to study what you know what actually was migrating up there so he taught me a lot about how we classify insects what features Mm. to look for and it it just really captured my imagination I think they're very fascinating animals Mm. I like the idea that they have this basic body design you know they've got three parts to their body they've got a head a thorax and an abdomen and then six Mm. legs and any insect has that basic design and, you know, there's such a huge mind-blowing variety of them just on this basic design. I just find that just really cool. That is really it cool. It is really cool, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you look at an insect up close under a microscope, it's just so bizarre, you know. It's got the most strange features on its face, on its legs. It's it's just really <laughs> interesting. And um yeah, so I did that project and then I got a bit of experience. And when I left uni, I got a job at a place called Rothamsted, mm. which is a crop research institute in Hertfordshire. And I spent a few years on different projects just doing lots of identification, really. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. So when you went to school and you were coming into your like teenage years and stuff, w- was this even on your mind or were you kind of a different person back then? As a teenager, I, I was really into wildlife, actually. I liked, like my dad was a really keen bird watcher and he used to take me out bird watching when I was younger. Aww. Yeah, and I just I remember looking through these guidebooks of all these different, all the different forms and different types of birds and it's just something about seeing lots of different animals on a page really sparked something in me and I think, yeah, I think that was the kind of what led me to, to be into wildlife and, you know, even... Today, I'll, I'll be sitting out in the garden and I'll see, I don't know, a, a goldfinch or something. And I'll just be really captivated and and excited that it's just there. It's just a goldfinch. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I've just always been fascinated by by watching wildlife. That's so cool. And, and also just 
you know, coming out of lockdown and stuff, I think yeah. lockdown really opened up people's eyes to their own nature in their back garden. I know it did for me. Like I would sit out there in the morning and again, like you said, just like watch the birds and watch the insects yeah. and things like that. And before I'd never really had time to do that. And it was absolutely fascinating. Did you find through lockdown that that sort of sparks back yeah, up Yeah, there, there's so much to see in the garden. Like if you just stop and look um, during lockdown, yeah, like you say, there was a lot of time spent in the garden and I've got two little boys and they started to notice the bees more. Um, yeah, and I've, I've got like a couple of couple of books and guides on bees. So we kind of take the, took them out to the garden. I bought a little, I don't know what you call them. It's like a, a see-through plastic box with a kind of magnifying glass on the top. So we, <laughs> we caught we caught a couple of bees on the on the bushes and took them to the table and we just looked through and looked through the guide and see if we could work out which one it was. Wow. And, you know, that, that's what I've kind of done all my life, really. And, and it was really nice to be able to show them how to do it. <laughs> so you were quite an outdoorsy teenager and you're very, very much into nature back then as well. Uh-huh. Um, if you were to meet your teenage self today, like how would she react to your new artistic journey? Oh gosh, I don't know. And what, what do you think that they would believe that you would be doing now if it was up to them? Well, as a teenager, I was... I mean, even up to, you know, going for university and leaving university, my all I wanted to do was work with animals, work with wildlife. I wanted to kind of travel the world, work in conservation, um, you know, save save endangered species really. That was my that was that was I was determined to do it. It was either that or be kind of like a filmmaker, wildlife filmmaker. Mm. And then I don't, you know, I, things happen, don't they? You get a job and and you stay there and and then you get promoted and then, you know, five years has gone by and it's like, oh, OK. <laughs> um, I think my teenage self would be, you know, quite proud of me for finding something that I'm really passionate about and that, you know, brings me a lot of joy. For sure. Yeah, that's really nice. And yeah, I think she would be proud of you too, especially yeah. because in our generation as well, like you said, you know, I don't think we were even under the impression that art could even be a professional profession, oh, if yeah. you know what I mean. It was kind of like that subject that you that's, took along with other true. subjects. It's really weird, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, I can I can actually vaguely remember being talked out of doing an art-based degree because I because I was looking at jewellery making as a because I did zoology at university, but mm. it was that or jewellery design. I was quite into the idea of being a jeweller. Mm. But I was I was kind of talked out of that. Um, and I'm glad I did the, the science. Um, mm. but yeah, I think it was seen as something that, you know, you can't you can't do that as a job. That's not a proper job. You know, um, there's no opportunity. And I think even even today it's it's it it, it kind of feels like a I don't want to use the word silly because that's not the right word, but it doesn't it, I feel like people don't take art seriously enough. I totally but, but agree. We could not live without it. Imagine imagine a house without art. Imagine, you know, no art galleries imagine going to a restaurant and there'd be nothing on the wall it's just it's a bizarre thought to think that weirdly in the last podcast um this came up and especially through lockdown as well i think people haven't been able to survive really without like Mm. music without visual stimulation Mm. without the movies that we've been watching through lockdown but you know there's been so much that has come into focus through this whole last year and a half i think in terms of how important art is to society and to cultural development in particular um 
And I know that um, in Plymouth, which is the nearest city to where I live, um, there's been a massive project to cover the streets in beautiful art. And if you walk wow. through Plymouth City now, especially from sort of Union Street up through to the city, mm-hmm. it's covered in people's art from lockdown. So it was a, it was like oh, a big amazing. initiative. It's absolutely beautiful. So, something similar happened in Falmouth a few. So I live in Falmouth in Cornwall. A few months ago, there was this. Um, it was organised by the students. Actually, it was called Street View Art, or something like that. And um, I, uh, I got involved. So the idea was that any anyone that had a house that faced onto the street, like mm-hmm. a main kind of street, um, could volunteer to have someone else's art displayed in their window. Wow! For, for a few, I think it was like a week. Yeah, so so you get randomly paired up with someone, and I got paired up with it with a student, and I just w- went round there with a few pieces of art, and she put it in her window for a week. It was brilliant. That's so cool. Yeah, and it's like a free <laughs> a free exhibition for anyone in Falmouth just walking around. It's really good, great idea. That is unbelievable. I really hope that they continue that idea because I yeah. think that's beautiful. What a way to share art with people as well. It must have made you feel very, really proud when you were like walking past oh, the house. Brilliant. as well. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so you went on to study science, as we've discussed. <clears throat> what did that yeah. teach you about yourself? And, and how have you brought that to the table now with your art? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so it's, all, it's always been something that I've, that I've done, that I've been fascinated by. It's something mm. that I, I read about. I watch documentaries on. Um, my husband's actually a scientist. Um, my dad <laughs> was a scientist. I can't, you can't escape science in my family. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, you can see if you, if you look at my art, a common theme is, is wildlife. I love, I love making animals out of art. I mean, the, the two, the two main types of animals I like the most are probably insects and birds. Mm-hmm. Um, birds especially because they've got these really cool feathers and, and patterns and it's really it's really fun to to try and create that texture with the cutting so I really enjoy that I actually like when I when I first started to take this bit more seriously I nearly called myself instead of the paper otter I was going to call myself the paper zoologist <laughs> um, yeah I, I don't know I I I was really really convinced that it would it would um suit me but my I remember chatting to my aunt about it who's an artist and she was mm. like you're kind of restricting yourself a bit to just doing animals then mm. yeah I said, yeah but true. I just I only want to I only want to make animals um I just want to focus on wildlife she goes well I think you might I think you might just want to leave your you know options open a bit more and I'm glad I did because mm. yeah I make all sorts of stuff now that's so cool why did you choose the name the paper otter out of interest okay so this is this is kind of a long story um <laughs> But so yeah, we've got time, I suppose. Where's the start with this? So I started to take this paper cutting a bit more seriously um, when my second son started sleeping through the night a bit better. Mm. And so I had my evenings free. It was about the same time that my sister was pregnant and she got in touch with me and said, oh, can you make uh, can you make something for the baby's nursery for when when he's born? Mm. Um, We want a family of otters. Um, can you make can you make a family of otters? And I was like, yeah, okay. So I was making this making this piece, drawing these otters out, and and at the time, at the same time, I was trying to think of what I would what I would call myself because you kind of need like a an Instagram handle, don't you, and a and a name and a brand. <laughs> so I was going for all these animals: the paper tiger, the paper elephant, the paper. And I, 
nothing nothing sounded right. And then I and then I was doing this um, this otter piece, and I you know, this paper otter was just looking at me on the page, and I was like, the paper otter. That, that's that's what it is. Um, yeah, and the reason they chose otters uh, was because I didn't know at the time, but they called their son Hudson. And Hudson is the name of the river that flows through New York. Mm-hmm. And because uh, Hudson's dad is from is from New York, is from Brooklyn. So there's that link there. And also my family live in Devon, really close to the River Otter. So it, it just, <laughs> it's a very kind of, it just feels like fate, really, like it was meant to be. Aww. Oh, I love <laughs> it even more now. Thank you. Um, I, I love paper. I absolutely love paper. So one of my little secret passions uh, yeah. is I love to do origami. It's something that my granddad taught me uh, when oh, I was cool. young. And so when we were little, to <clears> sort of <throat> pacify the time and keep us quiet, he'd teach us how to to make origami. And now, oh, today, wow. I can't even imagine living without it. It's basically, it saves my mental health. If I'm feeling stressed, yeah. I'll get out a piece of paper. I've always got a pair of scissors and some paper in my handbag. Like, it's such a weird thing. But That's anyway. Amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So I want to know, why were you drawn to paper cutting in particular? And and what do you get out of it emotionally or spiritually or physically? What I love about paper cutting is you can you can make a sketch. So let's say, because I'm doing a tiger at the minute, okay? So I can draw a tiger on a piece of paper and do a sketch. And it looks kind of messy and rough and I can rub it out and I can improve it. And I make a sort of tracing of that sketch onto black card. And as soon as you start cutting it, it completely changes what it looks like. It's the same sketch. It's the same shape, but just because the lines are so clean and mm. sharp and bold and it, it just looks completely different and it's really appealing to me. I like I like the kind of accuracy and the crispness of it. Yeah. Probably like your origami, to be honest. It just looks really like, I don't know what the word is. It just It just hits you, doesn't it? I just love it. I just find it very, very therapeutic. Yeah, like you and... If I've had a really stressful, frustrating day, I'll I'll just get into this room at the end of the day and start cutting, and it just it just soothes your mind, doesn't it? It just absolutely. it just calms it somehow. That's really oh, I'm just I'm just absolutely fascinated because, like I said, you're the first paper cutter to come on the show, and just hearing how much you love it and hearing oh, absolutely love it, just yeah. what you're making. I mean, you know, you just sat there quite nonchalantly saying, "Oh, I'm just making a paper tiger," <laughs> like that just blew my mind. <laughs> oh, that's very kind of you. I can't wait to show you. It. I know, tag it's me, coming tag in quite me. nicely, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, talking of animals and paper cutting, I know that the dragonfly became kind of a symbol to you so tell us a little bit about that yeah so I made a dragonfly a few years ago Um, I've actually got it um, right now in front of me it's 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 framed and it's hung hung up above my desk I wanted to do it something a bit more realistic Mm. you know I like the I I like I like realistic art in general so I I thought I'll do an insect for obvious reasons (laughs) I'm obsessed with insects and I, I sat looking through one of my many insect guides and I just I just saw this dragonfly and I looked at the wings and I don't know if you've ever looked at a dragonfly's wings properly, oh my but goodness, they're, they're beautiful, in, aren't they? insanely intricate and, and complex and they've got these tiny little cells and there's hundreds of them on every wing. I was like, oh my God, that would be the best challenge. Like I, I love to take on a challenge. So I just sat down. I was like, right, how on earth am I going to do this? Because <laughs> the, the current technique I was using, it, it wouldn't work. Mm. So like I need to I need to find a, a completely different way to cut paper. 
and just started sketching and just this idea kind of formed in my mind that I could create like an outline of black, just pure black, and then fill the colour in from underneath so that you'd, you know, you wouldn't see the kind of uh, rough edges from the top. So it took me, it took me ages to figure out how to, because this dragonfly is completely symmetrical. So I drew, I drew one half of it and then I traced it and I copied it over. So it's completely identical on both sides. And once I was happy with it, I, I started cutting it and it took me three months oh my <laughs> to, cut, to cut this dragonfly out. <laughs> I mean, that's three months of like an hour a day, you know, it's not like... Yeah, but still three months. Three solid, months. But yeah, it, it just it just took forever. And, and I was still kind of, you know, not that confident really. So I was I was having to go really slow. But yeah, so this, this dragonfly, I think, is representative of, you know, firstly, my style changing... Mm. But also, the, you know, it, it it was a point at which I thought, right, I'm getting better now. This is something I couldn't have done at the start, you know, and it gave me a real boost, mm. a real confidence boost. So, yeah. I, I just, I'm trying to picture it in my mind. How big is it? It's A3. Wow, um, so, so it's really it's, big. It's, it's, it's big, yeah. It was the biggest one I'd, I'd done up, in, up until that point. It was a yeah, it was a real triumph actually um, completing it. it. It's come out really nicely. <laughs> um, it's on my Instagram if if anyone wants to have a have a little look at it. Oh, I'll be checking that out later for sure. Okay. Um, what did that teach you about your skill set? Like, how did you feel you levelled up when you completed it? Yeah, I just I just felt like I was I was I'd improved in being able to design something because mm. because you know the the big the big part of paper cutting the actual cutting is quite easy mm. you know it's quite it's quite basic you're just cutting paper um but it's the design of it that's the tricky bit and having to kind of think how is this going to look in paper how am i what's the logistics of actually making this mm. yeah up up until that point i hadn't really been able to do that kind of stuff so you must have felt yeah, like def- limitless afterwards <laughs> I, well, I don't know about that but i i it definitely gave me a boost and and then I and then I kind of started using this uh, technique, you know, all the time. Awesome, and it's it's what I use now. Well, we won't give it away, people, because it's yours <laughs> and yours alone. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely, this has brought me on to talking a little bit about your bravest moments because I know that um, when you were starting your art and you were starting to pick up pace with it, you you had some transitions to think about, especially with you know your work in science as well. Can you remember that moment when you thought? I want to do this professionally. And what went through your mind? How did you come to make that decision? And, you know, what was going on in your life at the time? I, th- I think, I don't think there was an actual moment when I was like, right, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to make my money. It was, I mean, I, I'm, I still, I'm not quite there. Mm. You know, I'm not, I'm, this isn't my, this isn't my kind of full-time uh, job at the minute. I've got a part-time job. So I'm still on that journey, but it's been a gradual process, I think, of getting better um, and improve, you know, increasing confidence, selling more, having having commissions, having more complicated commissions, and just 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 the gradual gradual process. Really, I remember being on maternity leave the, the first time around, so that would have been sort of 2014, 2015, because I'd started cutting at that point, but I was. It, yeah, it'd been very basic stuff. Mm. But I even back then I was I was just imagining having a little online Etsy shop. 
um, it was like a like a distant dream, but I I could I could kind of picture it. Mm. You know, I, I I often find that if you if you visualise things, even if they seem really out of your reach, if you visualise them and imagine details of those things, you it helps to achieve them somehow. Oh, totally. Because it it activates your reticular activating system, doesn't it? So you're you're it, sort of drawn uh, to see the things that sort of yeah. make what you're trying to make possible. Exactly. So you, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was very, I couldn't have said it like that, but yeah, that's exactly what, what it is. And yeah, that, that vision of having this little shop, which to someone might seem like nothing, but to me was like huge. Mm. That vision stayed with me, you know, when I had the second child, um, you know, I, I wasn't paper cutting much at all because, I mean, I had two small children. It was, it was exhausting. <laughs> so I didn't have the energy all the time to do it. But I was like, I can't wait to get back to it. I can't, and, you know, I was, it, it was just, it was there in my mind. And as soon as I could, I, I you know, I, I got back to it. And it was, I remember setting up a little desk upstairs in this very small little corner of, a, of the spare room and getting a little um, kind of shelf system for all my paper and getting a new sketchbook and <laughs> some lights and having it all set up and just being really excited to kind of really start to do it properly. What's happened since making that decision? How have you evolved as a person, do you think? I think it's, it's dawned on me that it, it's down to me, you know, to create these opportunities. Um, you know, when, when you work for someone, you it's taken care of for you, isn't it? Mm. You know, your training, your whatever, it's it's done for you. But when, when you've got your own business or your own pursuits, you you have to make these things happen. Mm. So that that it, that took a while to kind of kind of register, I think. And I was like, why why, you know, why is I why am I getting no sales? Why isn't this happening? I was like, well I've I've got to I've got to do it. I've got to go out there and I've got got to make myself vulnerable almost mm. and and kind of Put, put yourself out there so I uh, I took a business course I found out that you can get on this free business course in Cornwall um there's quite a few of them actually um so I've learned all the business stuff all the financial stuff marketing branding all that kind of thing I had no clue about and also you know trying trying to put myself out of my comfort zone a lot more to to grow and develop you know doing this podcast for example um <laughs> doing my first craft fair soon, um, approaching shops. I've approached, I've approached loads of shops in, in Falmouth and beyond. And, you know, most of them have rejected me, <laughs> but you just, you know, it's okay. You, you, you have to you have to go through you, it. Don't you? you? You kind of have to go through yeah. that. Yeah. It's, 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 it's part of it. And every artist will, will say that. So yeah, just, I think I've just become a little bit more proactive. Mm. I mean, I've always been quite, um, what's the word I like I like to get things done you know Mm. but even more so now I'm just trying I'm just trying to do anything and everything to to make myself known and you know to try and get some sales basically (laughs) talking of sales can you remember your first sale and how did you react oh well my first my first sale um was to a friend and it was a dinosaur and unicorn for their kids' bedroom. <laughs> nice, um, which was awesome, and I lo- I loved doing it, and I was so proud that I could that I could make this a for my friend and and b take money for it. Like you know that was that was such a good feeling. But you know there, there's been a lot of sales to friends and family, and 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 it's great and it's nice and and it counts. But it's not until 
in like a complete stranger buys your art that you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> I like this. Yeah, so I think the, fir- the first the first piece I sold to a complete stranger was um, I do a David Attenborough portrait. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's it's like a kind of full full length portrait of Attenborough and it's available in my Etsy shop. <laughs> and yeah, I, I just got this ping on my phone. I looked at it and I was like, you know, you have made an Etsy sale. Congratulations. I'm like, what? Oh my gosh, you're joking. Um, yeah, and it was just a com- complete stranger. You liked it, you bought it. I was just so made up. Oh my goodness. I bet you were buzzing that day. Like, can you remember really buzzing, where you yeah. were? What, what, what I was happened? just sat on the sofa. It wasn't, wasn't very exciting. I was just sat on the sofa in the evening. <laughs> Um, I bet you jumped yeah. off that sofa with joy, though. <laughs> I was like, I just couldn't believe it. It was, it was such a nice feeling. Yeah, really good. So, like, thinking about stuff like that, like, what drives you today when you think about your paper cutting work? What is the thing that keeps you going, especially when you said, like, you know, approaching different galleries and stuff? That's that's quite a tough step. It's almost a baptism yeah. of fire. So what, what keeps you going? It sounds cheesy to say it, and it's and it's almost like... I don't know. It just feels a little bit cringe to say it, but I just, I really want to be a full-time artist. You know, that's nothing cringy about that on this show, especially. I don't know why (laughs) why it feels cringy. Why does it feel cringy? It's, it's like this kind of, um, this, this, this feeling that you can't, you can't dream that. I don't know. It's so weird. Um, And and I don't know what it is. I have to hark back to the podcast just before yours with, uh, Laura Edmonds from Serendipity Seacraft. And we had this same conversation. She, she basically said, I can't, seem to be able to say confidently yeah. that I'm an artist and, yeah, and we had this conversation because as far as I'm concerned if you make art you're an artist and it should be yeah. quite easy to say and yet all of us myself included find it really challenging to just yeah. say you know what I'm an artist I want to do it full yeah. time what is wrong with that I know and I've, I've I've been saying it a lot recently because I'm trying to to, to normalize it you know Good. but it does it still does sounds awkward or something when I say it out loud but that that is what I want I want to be able to you know ultimately leave my job that I'm at um and do this full-time mm. um so yeah so everything I'm doing is kind of is trying to stay take a step towards that goal setting myself challenges all the time trying to you know just develop my work develop my style um market myself as much as I can you know, it's 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 hard going, but I, that's that's what it takes, really. Yeah. So up until this point, we were just talking, you know, about the challenge of just even calling yourself an artist. <clears throat> what sort of fears or worries have you had to overcome in order to sort of fully commit to this path, and and how do you keep them in check? Yeah. So it's just this idea of that it's that either I'm not good enough, mm. um, because there are hundreds of other artists out there that you're competing with for for sales. Or um, that it's like this silly, frivolous thing, and I, I need to try and let go of that because it's something that that really makes me happy that I, I really enjoy doing. Mm. So yeah, just just trying to let trying to let go of those stories in my head. I think also you know the business side of it is not something that comes naturally to me, mm. but I'm you know it's all about educating yourself, isn't it? And just keep learning, just keep getting better. I li- I listen to podcasts about you know really boring things like SEO um, <laughs> j- just to try just to get any kind of you know edge on it yeah, um, yeah. 
asking for help, I think, you know, so with my logo design, I got someone to help me uh, with the branding. Um, I get someone to do my accounts for me. Just, I think if, you know, play to your strengths, if, if, if it's something that you actually can't do, just to get someone else to do it. Absolutely. And, and especially... Don't, don't kill yourself trying. Yeah, it- I think I think like the common theme with artists is we love the creative stuff more than we like like the uh, financial yeah. stuff. So oh, getting God, someone yeah. to take care of that for you is a really crucial piece of advice, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think I think you just need to uh, yeah, have an awareness of 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 how much there is to do as an artist. It's not just making art. It's so uh, there's so much else to it. Mm. Absolutely. So with that wonderful piece of advice, is there anything else that you can think of uh, for other sort of budding artists out there who may be on the brink of committing professionally to their art? What would you tell them? What do you wish you'd known before you'd started out yourself? Just always keep learning and educating yourself. I try, I try and learn something new every week. You know, if it's a YouTube tutorial about how to do something with the business stuff or I don't know anything. Just just keep on learning and keep on growing and, and try and get out of your comfort zone once in a while. Because if you don't, if you just keep on doing the same thing and keeping on the safe path, you're never gonna you're never gonna get better, are you? Mm. That's very, very good advice. Talking of which, Thanks. you're welcome. Um, <laughs> looking back to when you first started to how you've evolved through your art today. What makes you feel proud? Like when you look back at all of the stuff that you've done so far on this journey, what makes you feel proud today? I love it when I get good feedback from customers. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't like to be told they're amazing? And, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, get, getting customer feedback is is just the best thing ever. I love it. I think when you set yourself a challenge like the Dragonfly or doing a podcast or Whatever it is, you know, if it's a challenge and and you do it and you do it well, then pat yourself on the back. You know, great job. What tips and advice would you give to people that are trying to start out in the paper cutting crafts? Practice every day. Stay true to your style. Don't don't copy other people's style. Do what feels right for you and, and experiment lots and try and, you know, work out what that is and buy a really good knife because <laughs> it's taken me a while to find you know, a good knife. Um, and it makes a lot, it makes a lot of difference actually. What, what brand get, would you get, recommend? Well, I've got, I've got an Excel blade knife at the minute, um, which I'm quite happy with. I don't really know much about the brands. I don't know what other brands there are. Um, but yeah, you just need really sharp blades, change them really regularly because that makes a difference as well. When you, and when get, you say regularly though, like how often is regularly? Oh, so like if if you're if I'm doing a cutting, let's say I cut for an hour mm. nonstop, I'll go through maybe three blades, four blades. Wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. You wouldn't you wouldn't think that they I mean they don't get blunt, mm. but they must at a microscopic level get a bit blunt mm. because you can definitely tell the difference. If you've been cutting for say twenty minutes, mm. twenty five minutes, it starts to pull a bit. It feels you can feel the difference. And if you change the blade, it, it doesn't, it, it kind of glides through. That's nuts. So yeah, change your blade really regularly. Good advice once again. I love it. Thanks. Um, <laughs> what drives you nuts? What drives you nuts in your art oh, when you're doing cat. it? <laughs> oh, in my art? <laughs> yeah, let's go there. Not just in life in general, oh, no, because let's do both. Oh, there's too many things. <laughs> i tell you what drives me nuts in my art, which I, I still haven't got a, a solution for is I've got, I've got this pain in my right shoulder. Oh no. And it, from, from, from all the kind of holding of the knife and the, and using the muscles. Yeah. 
so I do stretches every morning to try and loosen it um, and I kind of press the area but it, it's just this constant pain oh hun. Um, <laughs> I feel I you. know <laughs> I, I need some kind of like regular massage or something or some kind of there must be some kind of device you can buy that just helps you mm. um, I'm trying to get a new chair but did you know there's a national shortage of desk chairs at the minute? Oh my goodness! No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, because of because of lockdown and everyone working at home, you can't you can't buy them. Wow! I tried. That's nuts. Yeah, it's it's annoying because I really need a new one. I just got this dining chair at the minute. And it's oh yeah, not great. No, that must give you numb bum. It doesn't it doesn't help. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what drives me nuts in my art. Um, in life in general, I'm I'm. I've got a very low threshold for annoyance. <laughs> like, honestly, everything annoys me. <laughs> Is that just me? It might just be I me. I think it's artists in general, hence why we like to sort of misanthropically leave the world behind and just focus oh, in on maybe. one thing. Yeah, just kind of, just kind of retreat into yeah. your own little world away from all the people. Yeah, like, like really rude people, just for no reason, just... Ugh, and you know when you're when you get like signs or like something's printed like a menu in a restaurant or a road sign or yeah. something that's been printed and the grammar's wrong oh. or the apostrophes are wrong. Oh my god! Don't What's even that start all about? With that. Don't. I, I just can't get like how has that happened? How has it got through all these people like all this quality control and still been made? I I'm so with you, that and the same in books. Like if I'm if I'm reading a book and I'm right in the moment, and then there's suddenly a grammatical error. Yeah, that's it. Oh, that's it. Your day's yeah, ruined. it's totally Done. ruined. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, might as well just go to bed. <laughs> we put the world to rights today on this podcast, haven't we? Hilarious. Yeah. Oh Bad my grammar goodness. on silence. You know. <laughs> so talking about growing up, if you could meet your hundred-year-old self today. What do you think they would say to you about your life so far? And what advice would they give you towards the future? I think they'd probably just congratulate me. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I don't know. They'd probably say, just keep going. You know, you're getting better all the time. Just just keep going. That's it, really. Because mm. if, if you stop, then what are you going to do? You're not going to do it, are you? You just have to keep going. <laughs> It's quite simple, really. <laughs> you know, simple advice is the most effective, right? No convoluted quotes here. Yeah, I think just keep it simple. Yeah, just keep going. If I live to be 100, I'll be well impressed. Oh, gosh, same. I hope you do. And I hope that that shoulder awesome. doesn't uh, give you any more jip as you get older. Oh, I know. I need to get that sorted. And they say art isn't hard work. Hello. It's very, very hard. It's very demanding, especially for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm going to throw you into a quick fire question round. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Are you Another ready? Quick fire question, Matt. I am. <laughs> All right, here we go. If you could be any insect, what would you be and why? Um, it has to be a flying insect of some sort, a dragonfly. Yeah, I, probably. Dragonflies are just cool, aren't they? They are cool. Plus, it's kind of symbolic to you. So yeah, that's a go. That's yeah. go with dragonfly. Um, Plus, they look like. Sorry, could I just say they look like helicopters? Don't you think? They sound like helicopters. And who doesn't love helicopters? Right. They're like the coolest yeah. alien helicopters you ever did see. They're amazing, yeah. <laughs> Definitely dragonfly. <laughs> what can't you live without? Um, can't live without a cup of tea in the morning. Um, can't live without a little bit of solitude every day. Mm -hmm. um, and some kind of creative outlet. Nice. Yeah. Weird thing that you do. 
with it. Well, I mean, I love insects, so what, what more do you want? <laughs> that's quite weird. To most people, that's quite weird. Um, that's true. I, yeah, when I when I when I go somewhere and I get out of my car, I lock it. But then I'll get like five or six steps down the road, and I'll turn and I'll lock it again, <laughs> just in case I forgot to lock it. I always do it. I did it today, and I was like, "Why do I always do this?" <laughs> My husband's the same with the front door. We'll get halfway up the hill in the car, and again, we live in a Cornish village, so if turn it, if we have to turn around, it's a right rigmarole. And he'll do oh, the same. Yeah. He'll be like, "I haven't locked the front door," and I'll wait. No, yeah. and we'll. Where, where does this? Where does this like irrational fear come from? I don't know. <laughs> because it's um, not going to stop someone from getting into your car or your house, is it? Let's face it. <laughs> Uh, I know it's just bonkers um I don't know another another weird thing I do and I I I noticed this last night when I was watching Motherland um whenever there's like a scene on a on a tv show or a film that's in a swimming pool or in like a changing rooms of a swimming pool I I get really cringy it makes me feel a bit weird I I can't explain it it just makes me feel a bit yucky and it's weird I know. What's that all about? I don't really like swimming pools in general. Maybe that's what it is. Do you know, what? I was I'm just always, imagining being there. Yeah, I was always a bit afraid of swimming pools, like because it was like it was drummed into my head as a kid that if you go swimming, then you get verrucas on your feet if you don't dry your feet properly or something yeah. like that. Cool. And and ever since then, I, again, I think it's like the changing room more than the actual swimming pool. I do freak out a little bit myself about yeah. getting verrucas. So I'm, I'm kind of weird to be with you. <laughs> yeah, verrucas. <laughs> That's the most 90s ailment ever. <laughs> let's move swiftly on, shall we? <laughs> yes, let's. If you could meet one of your heroes or heroines, who would it be and where would you take them? If I had to pick someone, it'd probably, that, I'd probably take David Attenborough to the pub. Oh, I'm coming with you, girl. Um, yeah, <laughs> because... I mean, David Attenborough's just been everywhere, hasn't he? He's been, he's been literally everywhere. Um, so you just have to take him to the pub. And get him a bit drunk and <laughs> just hear all his stories. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think you'll have so many people queuing to go out with you that night. That'd be yeah. um best advice you've ever received. Uh somebody wrote on a leaving card to me once when I left a job, uh, work hard and be nice to people. Very solid advice once again. Yeah, very solid. You cannot go wrong with that. Yeah, I love it. That's a tattoo somewhere on someone's ankle. Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> Book that made a big impact on your life. I used to read a lot of natural history books when I was a kid. Um, I used to love getting them out of the library and just used to sit there and look at the pictures and absorb all the information like a sponge. Nice. So, yeah, I was I was very geeky back then. <laughs> song you absolutely must sing along to in the car? Me and my kids love to sing along to songs on the school run. Yeah. So there's quite a few. We, we listen to... <laughs> So this will take you back. Um, MB, incredible. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. awesome. We, we love that. <laughs> we have a little rave in the car. It's fantastic. I love it. I bet that's the best school journey ever. <laughs> it's amazing. It puts us all in a good mood as well. You can't not love a bit of a car rave. Plus, cool um, kids or what? Yeah. Um, and also there's a song. Have you heard of Manny Chow? Yes. Yeah, there's the song Bongo Bong nice. that they that they really like. Aww. We like to sing that. Wicked. Yeah. <laughs> you can only save one thing from your house. What is it and why? Flipping heck. Uh probably my my Monstera houseplant. Ooh. Because it's grown up from a tiny little leaf 
cutting and it's got it's growing big all the time so yeah that's so cute probably a little plant last meal on earth my mum's roast dinner if you could have any other skill what would it be um to be able to keep calm in a crisis oh my goodness if you ever figure out how to do that will you let me know i just can't Uh, either that or beatboxing oh nice (laughs) (laughs) that'd be a good party trip that would so be a good party trip and a cool one too Um, yeah if you could be reincarnated what would you come back as and what three memories would you like to keep from this life and why I'd uh, I'd come back as some kind of magnificent bird like some kind of bird of prey Uh, maybe an maybe an owl oh nice um yeah, just they're just badass, aren't they? They've got no predators. Um, they just swoop and glide and do what the hell they like. So yeah, I think an owl of some sort. Um, birth of first child might be uh, one memory to keep. <laughs> that was pretty special. Um, my my nana's house when I was a kid. Aww. Yeah, that was pretty special too. And I did a bungee jump when I was seventeen. Oh my goodness. Um, which was. <laughs> This was really not not the kind of thing I do. I'm not that kind of adrenaline person at all. Like I, I hate roller coasters. I hate heights. I'm, you know, that that was a, a big deal. So, yeah, doing that, doing that. I think. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. In a zombie apocalypse, what would you use to defend yourself, and where would you hide? Hmm. I think probably a big box of Lego. <laughs> Nice. Oh my goodness. Because yes. If you I mean, treading on Lego is the most <laughs> the most excruciating pain you can imagine. So I just I just chuck loads of Lego down on the floor and run and hide in the toilet and be fine. That is the most epic answer I think I've ever had on the show ever. Amazing. Because oh, it's I can feel that. I'm wincing as oh, you said it. Like hell. Yeah. Yeah, the zombies have no chance. They really wouldn't. Um <laughs> finally if you could give the world a piece of advice right now after this pandemic and all that is occurring as a consequence, <clears throat> what would you tell us? It's shown the kind of huge gaps in society, hasn't it? You know, the rich people are fine, mm. whatever the world throws at them. You know, if you can afford it, like to try and spread the wealth a bit, I think. Um, I think if everyone could do that, then the world would be a better place. I mean, I don't know if people do it, um, I have no, I have no idea. But if everyone that could did, I think that would make a big difference. That's a beautiful, beautiful answer. Thank you so oh, much for that. You. I'm going to give you a solitary clap oh. of success. Here it comes. Whee! Oh, thank you. Oh, that's so kind. You've done. But so you know what well. I mean? Like, I think if if everyone could do that, I think it would. I think it would help. It would change the world. It literally would change so. yeah. the world. Oh, thank you so so much for your sage oh, wisdom. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, no problem. I didn't realise I was so wise. <laughs> you are, you are, you are. Um, before you go and you get back to yeah. your crazy, manic, crazy life, um, <laughs> what are your social handles? Where can people find you? And yeah, just, uh, yeah. Okay. How can yeah. they follow you? So so I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I am the paper otter, the dot paper dot otter. And I've got an Etsy shop, which is the paper otter shop. And I think that's it. Yeah, I don't have Twitter or anything else like that. It's just Facebook and Instagram. Fantastic. Thank you so, so much. Thanks, Kat. It's been so much fun. I've loved it. Yay, me too. (laughs) Emma is a woman with many talents. 
Her scientific mind lends itself to replicate accurately the bones, wings and faculties of all that she sees in the natural world. The painstaking precision and focus she affords her art is not without a price which she pays for physically, but nonetheless, Emma practices her art every day and it shows. Emma has spent a lifetime getting out of her comfort zone, whether in the handling of creepy insects or mentally eliminating the stories that hold her back from her dream. And as is very clear, Emma is determined to succeed. She has a solid plan with a clean mission statement, which is simply to keep going, work hard and be nice to others. Emma has a clear vision of what she wants and has had to challenge her thoughts about her place in the art world, something I think any artist can relate to. Why we think art is less than or unacceptable as a real career, I have no idea. As Emma rightly says, imagine a world without it. Imagine a wall with no pictures or a radio with no music or a life without dance. Why that is no life at all. If you have the gift of self-awareness and reflection as we as a species have, it is our destiny to use it. I recently heard something from a speech by Denzel Washington that made a great impact on me. He said, Imagine yourself on your deathbed surrounded by the ghosts of all the dreams and ideas you've had in your lifetime. Imagine them saying, But we came to you because you and only you could have brought us to life. He then said, So how many ghosts are you willing to take with you when you die? I painted a picture on the day I heard this and promised myself I would no longer allow myself to become distracted from my artistic endeavours because a part of me didn't think I was an artist. Don't let anybody's opinion, especially society's, shape your reality. Do as Emma does. Visualise it. Even if your goal seems small compared to others, it's a step on your path and your journey. Each step you take is a step forward. Let go of calling what you do and who you are something less than it is. If creating makes you happy, you've won everything there is to win in life. Happiness is priceless and so many people spend a lifetime trying to find it when within you it is there. Taking the colourful road is not without its challenges. Artists, by their very nature, don't fit the mould. And thank God for that. Most of us are born unique and die a copy, and so we have to work a little harder to hold on to what makes us who we are. This means getting vulnerable, practising every day, remaining awake to your creative consciousness without mass distraction, and most importantly, asking for help from other fellow entrepreneurs, marketeers, and those that are handy with a calculator. Because let's face it, it's not really our forte. (laughs) To birth requires a ward of trained people. And for want of a better phrase, you are someone who births, who creates. And even if you haven't experienced that, You can see how much energy and sheer will it takes to get a creation out into the world. So surround yourself with people who can help and guide you in the right direction. Take the courses, watch the videos, get in contact with fellow artists or people that you admire. Put in the time and present to the world your gift in a neat package, ready to illuminate surprise and create wonder in those that need it. And it is needed, my friends. 
now more than ever. In a world that can go dark in an instant, a single smile can create so much light. So ask yourself, what stories do you tell yourself that stop you being who you really are? What narrative needs to change in order to get you motivated and out there? What do you have to do to make it happen? Alongside your to-do list, make a not-to-do list. Maybe today you don't look at your phone until midday or at least until you've done your first sketch. Maybe you don't tell yourself that your work isn't valid. Maybe you simply need to remember to sleep. Whatever it is that you have to do, make sure you also know what not to do as well. Practice what you love. Practice kindness to yourself and others. And be proud to call yourself an imagineer, an emotion magician, a smile creator, (laughs) or simply an artist. As Wayne Theobald once said, art is not delivered like the morning paper. It has to be stolen from Mount Olympus. I agree. And add that with paper, those who dare to call themselves artists leave enchanted maps of their internal universe. And for those that are lucky enough to find it, a portal to another's imagination. Next week on the show, we welcome back celebrity biographer Jennifer Otter Bickerdyke to talk about her best-selling new book, Being Britney, Pieces of a Modern Icon. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. If you have a spare moment now, please like, subscribe, and tell me your thoughts in a review on Apple Podcasts, which will really help other people like yourself to find the show. Of course, you can also share the show with your friends by following us at The Brave Moment Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or on Twitter at Moment Brave, or just follow the link tree on all of our social media platforms. It's been so wonderful to have you all here with me again. Please get in touch with your own stories and remember, your brave moment starts now.